Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. As we begin our sermon, just a content warning heads up that one of the stories about embodiment that I'll be sharing mentions sex, which folks might not be expecting to hear from the pulpit. Nothing explicit, but young or sensitive ears are welcome to take a break from the service if you'd like. Earlier this summer, my housemate and I fixated on a new TV show we were watching together. Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls, girls spelled G-R-R-R-L-S. If you don't know of Lizzo, she is a Grammy-winning black singer, rapper, and classically trained flautist with a brand new album out, whose music talks about race, sexuality, and body confidence. In the face of a lot of cruelly fatphobic and racist comments on social media, she has continued to be bold, loud, and sexy. On her unscripted reality TV show, Lizzo is auditioning up-and-coming plus-size dancers for her upcoming tour. These dancers, collectively called Lizzo's Big Girls, are primarily women of color, and the person I rooted for throughout the season is this incredible trans woman, and they are all amazing athletes and artists. I was a dancer up through college, and I have never seen mainstream representation like this. When Lizzo and her big girls are dancing, I cannot take my eyes off the screen. They are breathtakingly beautiful and powerful. As I've been talking about the show to friends, I notice myself describing these dancers as unabashedly, unapologetically sexy. And at some point it hit me. When did I, when did we absorb the idea that bodies of any size or color are things to be abashed abashed or apologetic about? Sonia Renee Taylor is a poet who, in the summer of 2010, was in Knoxville, Tennessee, to to compete with her team in a slam poetry competition. Sonia was in a hotel room with her teammate, getting ready for this competition, when she uttered the words, your body is not an apology for the first time a phrase that would become a catalyst for the body positivity movement and then the title of her book. And this is one of those books where I have underlining on every page that I've read. Sonia's teammate, Natasha, was a 30-something-year-old living with cerebral palsy, and she was fearful that she might be pregnant. All of life was up in the air for Natasha, but she was abundantly clear that she had no desire to have a baby 
and not with the person who had been her occasional fling. Now, she and Sonia had a history of having honest and complex conversations with each other. And Sonia had a background in sexual health and public health service. So she asked her friend why she had chosen not to use contraception with this casual partner. Natasha responded with her truth, saying, my disability makes sex hard enough already. I just didn't feel like it was okay to make a big deal about using contraception. Social researcher and expert on shame and vulnerability, Brene Brown says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame cannot survive. About this moment with her teammate, Sonia writes, I understood the truth that Natasha was sharing. Her words pricked some painful underbelly of knowing in my own body. Sonia continued, continued, my entire being rang in resonance, a reel of memories scrolled through my minds of all of the ways I told the world that I was sorry for having this wrong, bad body. This body that is female, that is black, that is middle age and aging, that is fat and bald and has mental illness. It was from this deep cave of mutual vulnerability that the words spilled out of Sonia. She said, Natasha, your body is not an apology. It is not something you give to someone to say, sorry for my disability. Natasha began to weep and for a few minutes, Sonia, Sonia just held her maybe pregnant friend as she contemplated the fullness of what those words meant for her life and her body. There are times when our unflinching honesty, vulnerability and empathy will create a transformative portal and opening to a completely new way of living. Such a portal was created that summer evening in Tennessee because as the words escaped Sonia's lips, some part of them remained stuck inside her. The words that Sonia said to Natasha in that hotel room were as much for Sonia as they were for her friend. She was also telling herself, Sonia, your body is not an apology. Beloveds, I am here today to tell you, your body is not an apology. Every body is a good body, inherently worthy of respect and dignity. Despite what society, religion, our families of origin, or the media may have taught us, there is no wrong way to have a body. There are a million different ways I could go with this sermon. I could talk about the incredible movements that are helping people accept and love their bodies as they are. And there's so many, there's the body positivity movement or body liberation or body acceptance or body neutrality or self-love or as Sonia Renee Taylor describes it, 
radical self-love, which has a special theological resonance for me. Radical self-love is our inherent state of being worthy and being enough. It is the unobstructive access to our highest selves. So let's start there. The theological statement that all bodies are good bodies. It's a good starting place. Let's work on weeding out body shame from our own self-talk, from our conversations with each other, from the way that we bring up the children in our lives. And look, it's hard and it's pervasive. The media and our consumerist culture have worked really hard to make quite a lot of money on us thinking our bodies are not blank enough or are too blank. When we talk about anything involving weight or size, the refrain often comes up that somebody is just worried about so-and-so's health. There's a lot that I want to say about that, none of which I'm an expert on. So I'll just say that, A, health is not synonymous with weight or size. And B, health is not an achievable status for everyone. If you want to learn more about these concepts, I invite you to look up the health at every size movement to learn more. All of this matters. Lest these concepts be written off or belittled about as being about not hurting sensitive people's feelings, that book, The Body is Not an Apology, offers this reflection that our beliefs about bodies disproportionately impact those whose race, gender, sexual orientation, ability, and age deviate from our default notions. The further you are from default, the greater the impact. We are all affected, but not equally. Sonia Renee Taylor expands on this, writing, our work must be radical if we are to combat the consistent inundation of toxic media messages, laws, and regulations seeping body shame and body-based oppression into every aspect of our society. Inequity in our government and in our healthcare systems, manipulation in our media, no matter the structure under examination, ultimately, each of us bears the personal, social, and political burden of a widespread and deeply troubling relationship with our bodies. The results of these centuries of infusing body shame into every sector of public and private life include gross inequality and disenfranchisement across social experiences, poor public health outcomes, and unjust legislation, especially impacting female, queer, and trans bodies. There's good news. The good news is that if body shame is something that we can learn, that means it's something that we can unlearn. Babies 
are not born with body shame. If you've ever watched a baby, they just go, ooh, a foot, that's neat, can I put it in my mouth? Hold on to that spirit, because when did each of us learn to be ashamed of different parts of our body, or our skin tone, or our abilities, or our age? When were we taught that people of your gender don't blank? We can unlearn it. Because if you ascribe to a spiritual belief that each person was made in the image of the divine, or that each person has inherent worth and dignity, then we're called to recognize the divine and goodness in everybody of every shape, size, gender, orientation, skin tone, age, or ability. The more that each of us unpacks our own body experience, names it, and empowers ourselves to accept and love our bodies, the more that other people have permission to do the same. In her book called Divining the Body, author and speaker Jan Phillips writes, it is through our stories that we begin to name ourselves to say who we are under all of the social trappings and to emerge from those trappings like a butterfly from a chrysalis. We are midwives, Philip says, in a way, to each other's rebirth, an attempt to undo the damage that we've sustained by living in a culture that thrives on our self-hatred. It is a sanctification of our human bodies, a journey of awe and reverence. I'll share a story that I found of one young adult coming to emerge from that chrysalis to undo, undo those social trappings that they had learned about beauty. And I'm aware that most of the protagonists in these stories are on the younger end of the spectrum, but I know this is true throughout the age spectrum and aging is its own thing. This story comes by way of an organization called The Body Positive which is a nonprofit organization that teaches people to listen to their bodies in order to learn and thrive. Their ultimate goal is to end the harmful consequences of negative body image, especially in teens and young adults, including eating disorders, depression, anxiety, self-harm, substance abuse, and relationship violence. The Body Positive has been training educators and student leaders for more than 20 years to create body positive programs in their schools and communities. One of their former interns shared this reflection anonymously on their website. This anonymous blogger wrote, at the age of 14, I really thought I was open-minded about beauty, but the appreciation was totally cerebral. I never actually felt the beauty in different sorts of bodies never experienced it with my senses. Just before graduating high school, this author said, I began interning with The Body Positive. I was going through what seemed like a million changes at the time and needing to get an outlet for my confusion, I got into visual art. 
I drew pastel landscapes of the Mono Lake Basin Desert, created twisting patterns in the Stinson Beach sand, and made a variety of abstract watercolor paintings in my bed at night. The more weeks I spent with the self-loving, diversely-bodied individuals of the organization, The Body Positive, the more I grew to see them as works of natural art. And I examined them with the same close attention I gave to patterned sticks and to the tender ridges on the inside walls of a bell pepper. The anonymous young adult continues, as a kid, I liked to soften my gaze completely until my eyes lost focus and things became abstract Rothko-esque blobs, no longer defined by their everyday purposes. At 17, I discovered that by letting my mind relax in the same way, I could stop measuring beauty by how closely somebody fit the ideal and start going by pure visual intrigue. There were so many enticing things that I had completely dismissed. Aside from their fascinating appearances, I found culturally shamed body parts especially beautiful because of what they represented. Wrinkles, for instance, are unique records of every expression over one's life, delicately crinkling and creasing into deep, firm lines. My mother expresses embarrassment about the loose flesh of her belly, but it is a product of all of the stretching that allowed her to give birth to me. The squishy softness, a symbol of the strength and flexibility that parenthood requires. My best friend's scars are another wonder because they show the body's amazing ability to heal, if only partially at times. My great uncle's age spots show a long existence of growing and learning, having access to memories of a time that I know I can never touch. And noticing these parts on others makes me understand the true beauty in what I used to call my flaws. I love my funny ears that stick out, the intensity of my facial expressions, my straight hips and subtle curves, the fast-growing hair under my arms, and my short legs. The writer concludes, like everyone, I am a natural wonder deserving of awe. And it is so much more fun to live with this knowledge because I can actually experience the loveliness of those around me rather than acknowledging it vaguely, but with my head turned away. I see truly exciting things and others feel delighted when I tell them what I see. We are breathtakingly beautiful when we let ourselves be. Every body is a good body, inherently worthy of respect and dignity. One more reflection that I want to share from my colleague, Reverend Casey Kavichnika Slack, who describes themselves as a UU pagan, queer, femme activist who has been involved in creating queer and trans community spaces as well as a podcast called Bad Fat Broads. And I gotta say, I love every single one of these descriptors. 
In a chapel service at Star King School for the Ministry when they were still in seminary, Reverend Casey shared this reflection with their classmates. They wrote, we talk a lot in our communities about how to be welcoming to folks from all walks of life, how to feel like a home for people who have never been home, how to be safe for people so commonly hurt by unsafe culture. And I'm so glad that we do this. But how often do we talk about coming home to ourselves? I know that for me, Casey said, it's so much easier to be open and accepting and loving toward other people. They continue, I have almost endless space in my heart for other people's flaws, perceived or otherwise. I love being with people who have different experiences than I do. I love what I see in others the same way I love flowers. The things that other people might find imperfect, I find beautiful. I'm grateful for their variety. And I'm the first to push back when a friend or acquaintance is being hard on themselves. I think it's my job to show up for my people in their struggles. And then sometimes, Casey says, I don't think any of that stuff actually applies to me. I've spent years unlearning internalized fat phobia, bi phobia, femme phobia, and stigmatization of mental health issues. And still, some days I wake up and I just wish I could be normal, whatever that is. Some days this body and this life feel like too much. Some days I want a break from being me. I bet we've all had those days. We all have these things, the stuff that we hide as best we can and hope that nobody notices, the stuff that we were taught was wrong about us that would make people not like us or not love us. We are fat and queer and trans and black and brown. We're people who are chronically ill and who experience mental health problems and who interact with the world in a way different from the norm. We are people with bodies and lives that we're supposed to believe are wrong. We're told to hide or disappear, to blend the best we can, to kill off pieces of ourselves so that someone else may think we're okay. But we are okay. We're better than okay. We're beautiful. Casey invokes Psalm 139, that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We are stardust. We are the universe experiencing itself. We are each of us a miracle. Casey concludes with this invitation, which I share with you. Find something that reminds you of you a way to remember on days that are hard. Listen to your favorite music, put on your favorite outfit, get up and dance. Love yourself like you love the world. Love yourself like you love God if that's a thing you do. Be brave when you can. Be you loudly and fiercely. Make space in the world for someone like you and know that your community has got your back. 
how could anyone ever tell you you were anything less than beautiful? Your beauty is abundant. Your worth is abundant. You matter so much. And if anyone tries to tell you otherwise, that you don't, that you're not, quote back at them the poet Saul Williams who wrote, never question who I am. God knows, and I know God personally. In fact, she lets me call her me. Beloveds, your body is not an apology. Every body is a good body, inherently worthy of respect and dignity. Despite what society, religion, our families of origin, or the media may have taught us, there is no wrong way to have a body. You are beautiful every part of you beautiful just the way you are. You do not need to change anything about yourself to be welcome here. Your skin, your hair, your belly, your limbs, your face, all beautiful just the way they are. You are extraordinary, each and every one of you, different from each and beautiful in your own beautiful way. Breathtaking. So may it be, and amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to either put your hands over your hearts in namaste, I bow to the divine in you, or just one over the other. Our words of benediction today are from Reverend Susan Carlson. We leave blessed by our connections to one another and to the spirit of life. Walk or travel lightly that you see the life that is below you. Spread your arms as if you had wings and could dance through the air. Feel the joy of the breath in your lungs and the fire in your heart. Live to love and be a blessing on this earth. Let us keep the faith, beloveds, and pass it on the service begins when the service ends. Go in peace. Amen. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. For your people are my people, your people are mine, your people are my people, your divine, my divine. Where you go, I will go, beloved, where you go, I will go, where you go, I will go, beloved, where you I will go, for your people are my people, your people are mine, your people are my people, your divine, my divine.
please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.